and welcome to Wrestling and Everything Coast to Coast. This time with your host, just your host, Buddy Sotelo Esquire and Wrestling's premier photographer, Dr. Mike Leno. So, yeah, we're, we we had a guest, but the guest canceled at the last minute, so it's just going to be us. Could be. But first, I want to say congratulations to our 49ers. Even though I moved, they're still my team. I went to every victory party and the parade and i remember the first one with uh, diane feinstein and coach bill walsh going down market street to city hall you know that's the route for pretty much everybody the giants victory parades uh i don't know warriors. if that was the route. did the warriors do that one because yeah, i was same. only once in the in the east bay which were fantastic they were a lot of fun but nothing beats going from the financial down market to city hall and then the whole reveille and everything at city hall that's the best no matter well the they team. don't do the city hall thing anymore though they just for the warriors last year they just had them go to a spot and then they didn't even have a press con they had a press conference but the fans weren't allowed to come so it was literally you know just the, the just the procession of the parade and that was the end of it once the parade. i went to all of their ones in the east bay Yes, I went to those too. The Oakland one, the very last one was great because the guy who left, who was kind of the, what's that guy, Kevin Durant. Yes. Had him to pose with everybody and, you know, you had all kinds of access. Maybe they're being more cautious now. Uh, and, and I'm surprised, I just want to bring up something before we get into our wrestling end of things as to why this has not happened in wrestling. But it's tapered off a bit, but, you know, for a lot of the spring and summer, fans were throwing stuff and hitting musical artists in the face with crap and uh you know we're talking major players uh major artists and i'm surprised it hasn't happened i mean it has happened in wrestling but not lately back in our day the 50s 60s and 70s i mean i saw people throwing bottles and rocks that happened a lot in puerto rico when i shot there and george napolitano can speak better to that the fans there truly happened to me in pacifica yeah, they didn't I throw bottles, but they threw ice cups that were filled with ice at us. Wait, one of Roland's first shows, Roland Alexander, APW. I think it was their very first or second show. It was like in Modesto. It was uh, was it Chris Cole? Chris Cole. He's we're driving home. The show is over. I photographed it. I was Roland's photographer pretty much from day one. And somebody threw a rock, broke the glass, and and hurt him. If that was Chris, had to go to the hospital and. You know, it was over, uh, once the show was over, somebody just did that. I don't know if you heard about that, Russ, but that was... No, awful. that was before I joined. So. You, don't have to, uh, you don't have to do that, and I'm surprised it's not happening in the theater, thankfully. It, it seems, we haven't heard any incidents in about six weeks or so, but what an insane... Well, it depends what theater you're going to. People have gotten into fights over at the uh, Barbie movie, you know? Yeah, that people, you know, first of all, start trying to interrupt the movie because they don't agree with it. So they start yelling at the, the screen and then people start getting into fist fights with the people that are trying to interrupt the movie and, you know, chaos ensues. Um, it's happened in a number of different theaters because I think one thing is that for the two years that people didn't go anywhere during the pandemic, I think a lot of people forgot how to behave in public. I mean, it's not a small number. If they ever knew how to, maybe right. they have. Pimp. They ever knew how to, and then then they they go to well, the public. The stars, they're not the Lady Gaga or whoever. BB Rexa was actually a legit name artist of today who got hit, 
her eye was like cut and you know, it was a mess. She had to have stitches. Beautiful girl, talented artist. And it's like, come on, you're not the show. You're as an exactly. audience. Member. In fact, that, that brings up a wrestling related topic, which the our friend Shane uh, Dynasty, um, you know, uh, uh, Doc Atrocity, um, uh, was performing in Reno last night and he said that one of the one of the members from the band that was supposed to play during intermission got in the ring during his match and he didn't have any shoes on and he was completely <laughs> drunk and you know you can imagine how kind and generous Shane was to someone that behaved at such a way and they 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 you know escorted him out which is you know, code word for probably kicked his ass, threw him outside the ring, and then they canceled the band. And they said that they wouldn't let the band get their stuff until the show was over, and they had packed up the ring. They, let they, me say this about Shane. Let's give him his flowers, because there was a guy, and I, I, depending on how, I don't know exactly when you started going to Gym Wars, but I was lucky enough to see him blossom from day one. You know, similar to Vinny Massaros, who's just a referee. They had him as a rep for about. Yeah, now I never, I never went to Jim Wars before I became a manager. I, I never been to an APW show. A lot of different character changes and lots of stuff. Yeah. when the lesbian angle. But he's the one that, that taught me how to become a manager. Shane was the he's an excellent, excellent at a heat magnet. He certainly. Oh yes. Oh yeah. And and psychology. And for anyone that that isn't aware of it, go back and watch our interview with Shane, which in my opinion is one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done, was the one that we did in December of, of last year with Shane. And he's just, the, the guy has forgotten more about wrestling than most Marks will ever know. When he's in Reno, is he working with Thornstow and, and that whole- Yeah, yeah, the monster. Yeah, the monster factory. Yeah, the amazing. The talent, you know, those guys were on Impact for a couple of years, uh, the two of them, and they was really hoping for for more to come of it. I know they've done uh, at least one, if not two, Japan tours. They're extremely talented, all those guys. And we were blessed to have seen them grow up in AP-Dub. And, uh, There's like a dozen guys that I think should have gotten a chance at the WWE and never got one, uh, and, and Adam Thornstowe is definitely one of those people you can you know? anybody and but i mean i i remember i, I i've told you this story where uh, icebox robert smith who was with the not the true bay bombers but it was the later incarnation one of many incarnations and i don't want to slight it because he did well he was a big star and he nagged me you know he loved pro wrestling so he nagged me to bring him to apw long story short you know he asked roland he wanted to get involved and he was taking Ricky Thompson's school, but he only went to a few because he didn't like taking bumps. Somehow or other, he got a job as uh, the manager for the West Side Players, the second incarnation. And um, good guy, but he, uh, anyway, he wanted to do a show. And so he uh, got Tony Hernandez, Tony Fury and I as co-promoters, the three of us for that first show. And he was going to use all of You've heard this, the Mike Modest, yes. Donovan Morgan, Frank Murdoch, Iron yes. guys. And then like three, four days before the show, he didn't want to to their monetary terms that he'd signed for. This is Icebox, who was the money mark for it. And um, 
I think that was the scenario. And so we had to scramble and I made the call and MPT, Mr. Primetime and Thornstoke came down and had a terrific match for us, as did Steve Rosano and uh, uh, Vic Grimes. They had a death match. But that was when Adam Thornstow, who we'd already seen him you know, X number of times in APW, et cetera, incredible talent. He didn't have a tattoo on him then. I know. Not, it's, it's, you have to go back a ways. Not one. He looked like a clean-cut All-American It's just guy. like when uh, The Undertaker, you have to go back a ways. But there was a time when The Undertaker didn't have any tattoos either. Oh, that's true. Uh, but Thornstow, an amazing talent. I could have seen him uh, having matches uh, as Impact TNA uh, X Division champion. And in my opinion, in my personal opinion, he's got every bit of wrestling skill that Brian Danielson has. He just does. He just, Let me say this about Icebox Robert Smith. He ended up, you know, because he had Kirk White in his ear, the late Kirk White, the first couple of shows. And, you know, I got cheated on money for signs, which I eventually got from him. And he's a really sweet guy, Icebox. At the end, the last couple of years, he's promoting shows every couple of months in Alameda. I forgot what it's called, the Stars of Wrestling promotion. But he had the most diverse locker room. There was uh, like Carlito and some Hispanic guys, a lot of African-American talent. The uh, the one guy that passed away drowned. Virgil. Uh, oh, not Virgil. The one that drowned saving his son. He saved his son. And oh, he, oh, no. Yeah, the other guy. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, he was a part of those guys, uh, Crime Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An amazing guy. And he ha he brought in all, lots Cyrus. of. Cyrus. Yeah. Cyrus. I, but he he bring in two uh, uh, boogeyman and uh, but he did have some other talent. You know he did uh, he constantly gave Jardy Franz work, who was another great junior heavyweight uh, X division guy from APW and other promotions. And he when Jardy wasn't able to work for anyone else, he would give him work. So I do want to give him props. He did have a lot of fun shows, and it was a blast to be in the back when guys like uh, oh. Uh, Gosh, the guy that's managing uh, the, the, the Bobby Lashley, he brought him in a ton of times when he was Impact Champion. And uh, the Shotzi Blackheart had a lot of death matches on his shows. And so we're so proud of her. Uh, you know, now she's doing a, a sort of a devilish uh, gimmick uh, as, I guess, a heelish babyface. She cut all of her green hair off after all of these years with the green hair she was famous for, if you've seen her. Great talent there. All right. Um, unless you want to add anything, I, I want to hear what the latest. Uh, we don't we don't call him Jungle Boy anymore. But what is the latest? Because I've been busy on my end of the book that Evan and I are doing on John and Tolis, and, and partly on Chris Tolis, the Tolis brothers, but mainly John Tolis. <laughs> so I haven't followed that thing. CM Punk gets canned for it. But is this another incident with? Uh, yeah, there is another incident that's going what? on, which was that he was uh, apparently. Uh, coming back from that show, and he was at the airport. At he the UK, at, the, he, the London. Yes, he, yes, and he was in the New York airport on the way back, going through customs, I think. And he was apparently, uh, allegedly, you know, all this stuff, until there's a court case, is alleged. But it was alleged that he was super drunk, which doesn't surprise me, and that he got in an altercation with one of the New York police officers at the airport. And he is claiming that during the arrest that the, that the, uh, that the police officer sexually assaulted him. 
during the during Wait, the match. We just heard somebody else claim that another wrestler claimed that he was sexually harassed by TSA, though. In this case, no, I think that's that's that's. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, you know that's not Jungle Boy. That's uh, that's uh, uh, Riddle. That's uh, at Riddle. Yes. Is that who you're thinking of, Matt? Riddle? Yeah, I was. I, you know, they kind of, you know, yeah, that's right. I, I, I got those two stories crossed. It's uh, it's it's but Riddle. Jack Perry is still on suspension. Yeah, he is. And I, let me add this though on him because I don't know if you were how many you were at. I was uh, Dominic's photographer for Fog City Wrestling, and Luke Perry, you know, famous actor who passed away sadly with a heart issue, brought his young son. All the way up from L.A. I don't know why they were coming up. They came up in particular uh, so uh, Jack Perry could see uh, Awesome Kong and uh, that guy Hernandez when they were in TNA and Savio Vega. You know, they Dominic with Fox City. It was a fun little promotion. It basically primarily used all of Roland's APW wrestlers. Yeah, we had him on the show too. And uh, uh, but I took pictures of you know, later would become Jungle Boy. Jack Perry is just a little kid with his dad and digging the show. So I guess Luke loved pro wrestling and he got his son to also love it. And, you know, sad that thing happened with uh, CM Punk, but, you know, maybe. Yeah, they, it's, uh, I think a lot of it was was CM Punk's doing. I, you know, they argued over whether to use real glass or not for a uh, for a uh, a stunt they're going to do. With you know a slam on the car on a car windshield, and you know I don't know why um, uh, uh, Perry wanted real glass on there. You know I mean I think we all learned a lesson. Maybe he already had a, a, a daddy soda uh, prior to uh, talking. Yeah, because the, 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 I don't know if you remember, but Goldberg when he went and smashed that window with his hand and cut all his tendons. Yeah. His hand with the the Bret Hart angle or not? I'm, I, yeah, I think it was with Bret Hart. Was in the limo and he sm and he, you know they didn't use. He was supposed to smash a different window and he missed and he hit the actual real window, broke the window with his hand and cut all his tendons and just one of the maybe one of the stupidest injuries in the history of professional wrestling because if he used a rock. If he used, you know, a baseball bat, if he used, you know, a tire iron or a crowbar, then, you know, he wouldn't have hurt his hand. I don't know who's, how dumb you have to be to try to smash a window with your well, maybe, maybe not dumb. Uh, also along that vein, I just was emailing back and forth with Mick Foley about it because I had the pictures of when Sabu thought he had a gimmicked sugar uh, bottle that would crack oh, yes. Cactus Jack's head. But instead, it was a legit bottle, and I shot that show, and uh, it was at ECW Arena because uh, Heyman was at ringside, and uh, you know Mick got hurt legit. It was like getting potatoed with a bottle, getting Ouch. hurt legit with a real bottle. That uh, it didn't break initially, and uh, you know Mick, I'm sure, had a concussion from that. I mean, I used to tell Sabu and Cactus in the 90s from about 92 93 on that they were going to end up wheelchaired if they didn't go a little slower and take more precautions and stuff i don't know how many times i told them in the dressing room but i'm pleasantly surprised you know mick i mean both guys are in pain sabu had the hip 
replacement. Yeah, he yeah he can only walk because he has a hip replacement. So he came to. I think you were there maybe at the, the gym wars because you had already managed. Maybe you didn't come back for that one, but Sabu came, and this was when he was starting to to live with uh, and got engaged to Melissa Coates. And so she was trying to help him, you know, throw him the chair stuff. He could not barely move. This was when he started a GoFundMe to get money for the hip replacement. He could barely move. He, you know, he did his best, you know, he was like getting through the pain. Well, I and, remember he was booked in that disastrous Russell Fan Fest in 2007. And back then he could barely move. You know, he was part of that. Well, but after he had the surgery, it was like he was back to his normal self. He was pain free because he had a tag match with uh, Van Dam against the Hardys that I shot and he was moving around like you know the old days so uh, yeah but, but when you have a hip replacement probably the last thing you should do is be getting into the ring once but, you've had your bottom line about all of these injuries and all of this stuff is that the boys the wrestlers no matter what promotion they need lifetime health insurance absolutely and now that the WWE has merged with the UWF this kind of a transition. UFC. UFC, sorry. The, the parent company. They, they've not merged those two entities. They're owned by the same parent. Right. right. And and now that that, I mean, Vince got $5 billion, I think, in his pocket from that transaction. I think it was a little higher, but it wasn't as much as Dana White and the Fertitis got for UFC. They got like 13, and I think Vince got either 8.9 or somewhere in that ballpark. Either eight. way, anywhere, anywhere from five to eight. Even the, the how number. he can how he can cry poverty and say that he can't afford health insurance for the guys so that work. You know, it was just the other day. That was the first time since the fifties. I think it was Wednesday that a McMahon did not own oh, a majority stake in the company. Now that other company they sold to does, so they're going to be the ones that are going to take shit for not paying for, you know, Ross or Kios for these guys so they have a retirement and proper health care uh, to last them well beyond when they leave the company. And, you know, that the, the reason or that being just a day or two later, that's why The Rock was on SmackDown. They were putting the big guns, The Rock and Cena, on that SmackDown show last Friday. Suddenly, without the fans knowing, it's because of the transition occurred. You know, they wow. want big bang. And that, and to be honest with you, I think The Rock is a lot less busy than he used to be. He's taking a self-imposed, I think he said he wanted to, the last movie, Black Adam, didn't do as well. Exactly. This is not self-imposed. I enjoyed that movie, but, you know. I did not. I did not. I thought it was a piece of crap. I thought it was a piece of crap. It was so cliched. Can you tell me one thing that happened in that movie that you haven't seen in every other superhero movie. I have. Hey, I'll tell you a movie. I don't know, Russ, if you're a horror fan as much as you are a DC or Marvel. Yes, I am. Well, I rewatched on uh, uh, Svengoolie, and I hadn't seen it since I was a little kid, since I was like four, and it scared the crap out of me. I do love Svengoolie, too. Mr. Sardonicus last night. And I had not seen that movie, that a William Castle movie, and he was like the... Wrestling's Jack Pfeffer, but as a movie gimmick guy and a real carny and a character a, in a good sense. His movies were all a lot of fun. He did a lot of stupid gimmicks like The Tingler where. Oh, yeah. You know, they had like yeah, they, they, the seats, seats. They had the, the fans, the marks were getting shocked. This thing, the guy's face, that has to be the scariest, gruesome 
for that time period, whatever year that was made, 1961, scary stuff. And it still held up for me. And I hadn't seen it since I was like four years old when it really scared me. Sardonicus? Mr. Sardonicus. Yeah, he has, he becomes a ghoul, this good looking guy. And he starts digging up, I divulge all of it, digging up a grave and eating a corpse, you know, as a ghoul does. And uh, he got this curse of a permanent horrific looking smile with his teeth sticking out of his face. It's really scary makeup for the time. And the actor who did it, who was a very famous guy in a lot of horror movies and some James Bond movies and other stuff, he could only wear the makeup for like an hour. They'd spend five, six hours putting it on him and he could only wear it. It was so punishing, I guess, grueling touching his face legit. Um, that he could only wear it for an hour. So they didn't have a lot of shoots with the, the full makeup on. And it, it's pretty, it, pretty creepy. I give that five stars. So I'm urging people go take it. Well, Halloween's coming up. So maybe that, that, but the, so that brings me to the black Adam. Eh, I mean, I watched it cause I kind of have to force myself to watch whatever he's doing, but here's the problem. And since COVID, and this is what cost him his TV show, uh, you know, not as much press. They jerked around the time slot. So the Young Rock show got canceled when it should have run at least one or two more seasons. Um, so that was a shame. So he took a, he took that as like the public had seen him in too many movies in a short period of time. And then the TV show and everything else he was doing being very visible. And now he's even back, you know, again for the second go round saying you know, he's not sure if he's going to run for president in four years after this next election. Biden, Trump, which will be a horse horror movie in and of itself. Yeah, it's already turning out that but, way. Uh, I think you're right. You're absolutely right. So he's taken a, a verbal self-imposed time off exile. So he has some time. Maybe they'll finally go through for mania, although it should be uh, Cody getting the title, but rock Roman. But the, the main purpose of having him and Cena on that show was to have that new company Endeavor flex their muscles that owns WWE and UFC now. And there's the talk of maybe combined show, but the problem is most of the UFC audience does not like WWE, but X percentage of WWE's audience do watch UFC. So although, you know, they've, they, the UFC folks have watched guys like Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. That's when they like it, and particularly Ronda. Lashley was never in UFC. He was in uh, Bellator. Oh, yeah, that's right. And Strike Force, and uh, I actually saw one of his fights. He was he was pretty Brock good. Brock Lesnar was champion for a long time there. Who was? Brock. Brock okay. Lesnar. Yeah, he was a yeah, champion. Uh, and yeah, uh, and there's Ken Shamrock if you go back further, and Dan <laughs> Severin, and and you know the, the WWE is no. Complete stranger to well. Get- now they're going to get uh, someone who has some fighting, legit fighting experience. But from AEW, the word is that uh, Jade Cargill is now going to be going there. Yeah, I got something from Thunder Rosa, who had a lot of history in Northern California, particularly on Marcus Mack shows. Uh, she was in. She was on, on a- wrestling for charity. I've I've worked shows with her too. Yeah, Melissa Cervantes, really nice person. But she said that she and Jade Cargill were on a show in Daly City. And I asked Kevin Gill, and he thinks it was a Rikishi show. You know, one of those very few Daly City or Pacifica shows. Because I never recall hearing Jade Cargill, you know, in the Bay Area whatsoever. So, you know, Kevin, who for 
most recently. I mean, he was uh, doing announcing with, uh, oh gosh, what's that APW guy? Uh, uh, AJ, you know, AJ Kirsch. Oh, he Kirsch, yes. For Hood Slam for, for years, the shows of Hood Slam I went to, they were always there. And of course, Kevin Gill has done a lot for APW, but more recently he's been like the lead announcer for uh, GCW, the Gore, so-called Gore promotion, although they have normal matches and normal wrestlers, not just all, uh, you know, the, the uh, hardcore, total hardcore stuff. Uh, but so Jade Cargo supposed to be going to WWE. She dropped cleanly to uh, Chris Statlander last, uh, was it Friday, Friday night? Or uh, no, it was the main event last night of uh, Collision. You know, it's hard to keep track. They have too much TV. I think they should get rid of their Friday Rampage show. I agree. And have the two-hour Dynamite, which is great. And then the Collision, that's two hours on Saturday, which has a completely different look and feel. Maybe boil that down to an hour, you know, get that, tighten that up. To just, but you I, won't be able I, to. I, now, if you, <laughs> people that don't watch AEW all the time, they should watch the Arthur Ashe show next Wednesday because every match is kind of a main event type thing. And it's going to be a huge, huge show. MJF against Samoa Joe, which should be off the charts. That should be great. But I, I personally miss the one-hour wrestling show. Yeah. No, I agree. I think more is less. Yeah. And and, and when you, you know, because I, for good or bad, force myself to watch all that stuff in real time. And every night, I'm going to say it, Monday's three hours a raw. Way too much. An hour and a half would be plenty for that. Tuesday nights, if there's not Dark Side of the Ring or some of the Scandal shows or MLW. Tales from the got, Territory, yeah. Two hours of NXT. Wednesday, of course, two hours Dynamite. Thursday, two hours Impact plus an hour of New Japan, which is can't miss. Uh, Friday, two hours of SmackDown, one hour AEW. Saturday, two hours of AEW. And then... Sundays are pay-per-view days. Yeah, Sundays are pay-per-view. Unless, you know, mostly AEW and Impact, although uh, WWE... They're really pretty much all Saturday pay-per-views. Now, it's too much effing wrestling. Too much to watch. Uh, the we one have talked about that. We did do a show all dedicated to just too much wrestling. And, and I agree. I think that they... they well, look, they, Roy Shire. Now, originally, like Los Angeles, he had a 90-minute show. But then it just was an hour when he moved up to Sacramento, uh, memory serves. And you could get everything in there, and you could pack the Cow Palace based on that every uh, Saturday show or Friday night show, you know, it was on two different slots. You could pack the Cow Palace just, and the other venues uh, with just an hour of, of TV. It's, you know, it's just you. Well, like the other, like a couple weeks ago or about a month ago, AEW did that deal where they had, you know, basically two pay-per-views on back-to-back. -back. Yeah, it was insane. And they yeah, were both and, pay-per-views. I got to give them credit. I thought the absolutely no point in doing one a week later, and I still think that way. But it did deliver as a show, even though it wasn't didn't have the star power of London in front of whatever the dispute. Right, of. but it was just so much overkill that like I I can't tell you the results of any of those matches from the that double pay-per-view because just well was, I can from the London one, but you know FTR beating uh, Young Bucks, but. Uh, that was that was a pretty historic show. No matter what the attendance was, and now people are. It gets to be so much though that it's a blur that you kind of like you know other any other matches. That... The AEW, they have a, 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 probably one of the greatest rosters in history because they have access to 
uh, all the rejects. The, yeah, the WWE does the rejects. Change. But I'm talking New Japan. They have uh, yeah times Impact wrestlers come in. Obviously, AAA, the top promotion in Mexico now. Uh, several women's groups supply you know wrestling. Uh, they they have the luxury of Tony's. Uh, Money. money, but they don't have the direction, and well, that's why things are going so crazy there. Strong uh, talent person, head of talent relations, maybe not a current peer like Chris Daniels has that role now. Bully Ray was saying, and I agree with him, that somebody like Jim Ross, who did an excellent job, who can yell and scream at him, and the boys are afraid of, but also respect, that would be the perfect guy to prevent problems with like the CM Punk, Jack Perry situation, but also tighten up booking and let things breathe. That's what AEW does not do for all the excellent matches and the thrills and the fun. And it is fun, but a lot of the stuff can't breathe because when you're done with one exciting thing, you don't like re-show it and come back and review it and really let it sink in. No, you're on to the next thing and then the next thing and then the next thing. There's a lot of stuff going on. You have enough angles uh, for four or five shows. And I've drawn this comparison and Meltzer agrees with me on this. In the old days, like Dallas TV show was like the AWA. You had like one big angle, one major angle, maybe a, once a year. Uh, or a year, you know, two and a year and a half's time. Uh, and, and wrestling during the Vince Russo crash and burn thing started having tons of it. Now, AEW has taken that even further. And there's so much stuff like on a two-hour dynamite, you can't absorb all of it. And if you, they would just have like maybe a third of all of that cool stuff, then you might retain it and it would mean more. And they can space it out. They have enough programs that they can space it out. They don't have to jam it all into one show. But so it's just the need because it is difficult. If you have a show, a TV show on Friday, what's the point on Saturday? I, I, I think I would shed the Rampage on Friday, which they just tape after Dynamite on Wednesday nights, typically. Not always, but most of the time. And do um, just have the Dynamite Wednesday, and then you let a couple of days go by and let it all everything just breathe. It's, it's like the wrestling in the ring itself, where everything is a finishing move. You don't have anyone chain wrestle anymore up and, and build up. to the finishing finish. moves are transitions. I used to bitch about that with the figure four and the lariat and the suplex not being finishes anymore. Now it's even worse. Now uh, the Canadian Destroyer is just the transition. They can yeah, guys hop right up after. Nobody sells, right. Nobody, the art of selling and what you're talking about, Mad and Chain wrestling, uh, they're lost arts, like Carney. Hardly yeah, but what I'm saying is it's sort of like, because the matches themselves can't have to always one-up themselves so much, the storylines kind of follow that same sort of thing, which is like, every week you've got to be the biggest, this has to be the biggest, and greatest storyline that we've ever had. Just like every but match. W really hasn't had storylines. They are more so now, and I really love the Tony Storm stuff, which I'm writing a piece on that now. It's basically the character from Sunset Boulevard, you know, this aging silent film star who still thinks she's in the movies. And Tony Storm is doing that, but she's adding her own tweet to it and, and really funny. Yeah, it's cute. 
You know, she, you know where that line came from? And I'm going to say this on this show. That line, uh, chin up, tits out, came from Ann Calvello, who used to co-host my TV show, the fabulous moolah of roller derby. She skated as a heel, a red shirt. Wow. There, seven decades in the Bay, the Bay Area primarily. And um, total legend. And she used to, her expression was tickets out. So she used to tell all the females, you know, stick your tits out, your tickets out. That was her expression back to the, like the 30s and 40s. <clears throat> and that's where Tony Storm's line she's doing now, <clears throat> but she's added a little to it. Um, you know, watch out for the shoe, mind the shoe, when she throws the shoe at Renee Paquette. Right. Um, it, that's it, cute. You know, Storylines, like the bloodline is probably the greatest storyline in the last 10 years. But is it great? Is it that great? I mean, don't you think people are... It's getting a few holes. You know? Yeah, don't you think people are... And don't you think people are getting tired of Cody Rhodes being this constant, like, bridesmaid no, but never a champion? As an old-school babyface. That's the point. So he, he loses a lot. You know, he lost a ton. He was getting destroyed by Brock. <coughs> Russ, I've only got about five minutes left in me. Not COVID. I've had a million... COVID test, but um, then uh, let's then if we're gonna let if we only got five minutes, then we got to give a uh, uh, commemorate. We have to th give mention the passing of Brett Sawyer, who I went to his school. This was in uh, 94, 93 and 94. I, I was there for other stuff, <coughs> but he Bruce, uh, oh, oh, um, I think his real name was Ryan Bruce. <laughs> anyway, and he was. You can do sign language yeah. for the for the fans. You can. <coughs> let me get let me get a little water. Okay. Talk while I'm away. Yeah, I, I will. Yeah. So I mean, Brett Sawyer uh, passed during the the week, and we also had the uh, sad death of General Adnan, who you know was part of the uh, 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 he was Sheikh Adnan Al Casey as well. And part of that triumvirate between Sergeant Slaughter, the Iron Sheik, and General Adnan, when uh, the Sheik was Colonel Mustafa and uh, uh, Adnan was General Adnan, and they would go to the ring in that 1991-92 Gulf War, post-Gulf War, you know, uh, fervor, and uh, 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 really rile up the fans. My lasting memory of, of Adnan was I saw him. Uh, in uh, uh, an eight, 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 I, go, I photographed him. He worked as Chief Billy White Wolf. In yeah, Hollywood. before he got his Every, neck broken by Ken Patera. Yeah, even before, no, even before he went to, uh, you know, uh, AWA as Sheik Adnan, how <coughs> a guy from Iraq could portray a Native American. Or the but, other way around. And people bought it. They bought it in Hawaii first because I think he did it as early as uh, 76, 75, 76 for Ed Francis in Honolulu at the HIC Arena, then takes it and is paired with Chief J. Strongbow's tag champions before they brought in Frank Hill as uh, Jewel Strongbow, which is hilarious because Jewel Strongbow, the real Jewel Strongbow, was legit Native American and was our booker, our best booker ever at Los Angeles, 60s through 1974, uh, and uh, probably I think he booked even before that because he promoted and booked in the late 50s. But so Chief Frank Hill, who was a jobber uh, in Kansas City and Los Angeles, and then is brought in as Chief Jay Strombo's fictitious brother, Jules Strombo, 
that came after Sheik Adnan as uh, Chief Billy White Wolf. Which right, was- and the bloodiest match that I ever saw live was an AWA cage match back in 1984, or maybe it was 83, over at the Cow Palace, where Jerry Crusher Blackwell was in the cage with Sheik Adnan. And Adnan had one of those forearm wraps, and he had snuck in a foreign object. And he took that foreign object out, and there were no refs, so he just went ahead. And, you know, Jerry Blackwell was one of the great bleeders of all time. And and Adnan went nuts on his forehead, and then uh, Blackwell took the uh, foreign object away from Adnan and started whapping him in the forehead, and there was blood absolutely everywhere. I'm glad I didn't have ringside seats for that, because I probably have hepatitis. So Here's what I want you to do. Um, if you can get out your programs or maybe just look online and go over the results of some of the AWA shows that you saw in the Bay Area, because I went uh, because I was Roy Shire's ringside photographer once I moved from L.A. to SF <clears throat> the last couple of years. But even before that, there was no Cow Palace photographer. I'd fly up for most all of Roy's bigger shows. And, um, you know, it's like from 74 on before I moved up there permanently, January 79. But then when Roy Shire quits, retires, like uh, January of 81, after his very last battle royal, I go with his publicist, Davey Rosenberg, who said, we're gonna go and work for Vern Gagne. So I shot the first couple of years of those shows. The first one was a battle royal. It was like six weeks after Roy Shire's great battle royal, perhaps one of the greatest ones in terms of talent I'd ever seen. You mention it on every show. I mention it, but the Gagne, so if you can look up the results of the shows you went to, because on that first Vern Gagne show at the Oakland Arena, Gagne defended his AWA strap against the then heel Jerry Blackwell. That was the uh, co-main event to the Battle Royal. And uh, if you remember, 49er legend Leo Namalini, who had quite the career in pro wrestling. The Lion. Yeah, Leo the Lion was the fictitious promoter for Vern in San Francisco. Right. He was the goodwill guy. I do remember that. But he uh, had a, at the time, I think like 51, 52. That's when Russ Francis's dad was wrestling in the AWA and did some AWA shows here. Russ Francis's dad was... was well, Russ Francis's dad was the promoter in Honolulu who was a wrestler, but he was a wrestler in the 50s and early 60s. Ed Francis was Russ Francis's dad. Right, and he wrestled on some AWA shows. Not, not in the Bay Area. He was too old by that point. He'd already retired as a promoter. You might be thinking of somebody else. I, I know Russ's brothers, Russ's brothers who tried their hand in pro wrestling, but look up those cards and maybe I would like to hear from you uh, and I could take a back seat and listen to you because I, I may not have gone to all those. I didn't go to all those shows as I should have with Brody on them because I you know, was busy uh, at the time. I couldn't make every single show. I tried to make all the Brody ones and the ones with Hanson on them and Rick Martell. But uh, I kind of. Well, I, I, I know this that I went to as many Road Warriors and as many matches as the Road Warriors were, were booked on. Yeah, they wrestled a couple of times with the Fabs. Yeah, and and they also uh, wrestled the Midnight Rockers, if you remember. um, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. Were the the third and last Super Clash, the one where Medusa took the title from Sherry? That was at the Cow Palace. Yeah, I wasn't at that. I was already... That was a big show. I mean, Ganya's cards were I was in San Diego at the time. You know, we didn't really... I can't even remember if the NWA... 
hardly came. They did come into Bill Graham Civic because I shot those, but there weren't a lot of those. So our alternative to WWF's two show busy shows was Ganya's shows, which delivered. I think there were some great shows they put. Yeah, I really liked the AWA shows when when they were uh, at uh, San Francisco, but it did mean we got a lot less talent. We didn't get to see a lot of you know the the great NWA wrestlers really they did come in because i shot a couple of them i remember nikita uh, it was a babyface challenging flair and then i thought there was another bill graham civic right in san francisco show where road warrior uh, hawk challenged flair yeah but you didn't see like dusty Rhodes didn't come to the yeah, bay area that the first one though the one with flair against nikita the road warriors and dusty uh, I forget who they took on. They were defending the six-man championship. So Dusty, he wasn't on all of them, you're right, but he was on that first one. And then I've said this a million times, and I said it right to uh, Cody and Dustin's face, our very last Roy Shire U.S. champion was their dad, Dusty. A convoluted thing because Roy Shire had lost his TV. He went from using Portland TV to Kansas City TV. And like the last six, seven months of his promotion, he – because he had no TV studio, nothing to do. So he brought in Eddie Graham's television, which is insanely terrific, with localized interviews with like the Funks, Lord Alfred Hayes, Barry Windham, Mike Graham talking about coming into the Cow Palace. They did for three shows, and the third and last one was uh, the Battle Royal, the very last Battle Royal. In it were both Funks, Harley Race, Kaniski. Dusty, of course, who, who uh, no, Pat won the thing, but the last four guys in there, it was insane. Like the opening match had Ernie Ladd against Ron Starr. It was the, it, Ron, Ernie Ladd was a, always a main event guy, but he's in the opener, uh, or he's in the match after the Battle Royal, which was Roy Shire's opener. So that was the way Roy did it. No other promoter had the Battle Royal first. And while you went out, you we, we wanted to give uh, a little bit of a thought to Brett Sawyer before your. Well, yeah, I was coughing up. Uh, as I've been throwing up, I don't know what, you know, I had probably too many vaccinations all at once and have been sick since, even though they say, oh, it really shouldn't have been a causative, but whatever it was, maybe I got bad uh, needle or something. But I went to, I, I got to see them and photograph them team, you know, a couple of times, Bruce and Buzz. I was never sold on the fact that they were legit brothers. Uh, Bruce, who just passed, William Sawyer, said he was a half-brother, and, uh, you know, his his school wasn't super-duper impressive, but I got to see a lot of talent in the Florida area, which was packed with talent in the early 90s, like Penelope Paradise. And Didn't they have The Undertaker as one of their uh, early students? Not not at that school, not at uh, Bruce Wayne Sawyer's school. It was kind of a no, dumb Buzz, Buzz Sawyer's school. Yeah, well, no, I never, I never heard that. I mean, the the thing was, is that Buzz would purposely stretch these guys. His school yeah. in Sacramento. He had other locations, but the most famous one was Sacramento. Lord knows how he landed there. Uh, and I am wrapping this up because my voice is going to give out. He would stretch the guys and then not give them their money back. So it was kind of bullshit. And uh, some guys would then take the students, like. Jerry Monty or Woody Farmer and try to help out when they heard, you know, sad luck story. These guys coughing up 5,000 or 5,500, Buzz stretching them and said, well, I guess you weren't tough. I'm sorry, he didn't show up a lot. That Buzz just flat out didn't show up. So like trains, people would show up and he would. Let's give him the guy's props. In his day, he was an amazing talent. Uh, 
the whether he was a brother, full, legit, half, whatever, was not quite in the same league, but it, it was an interesting tag team. It was kind of fun. There was no touching buzz when he was on. I mean, the uh, running power slam and the stuff that he did that was so crisp and, and great, particularly the feud. No one will forget the feud with Tommy Rich. That was the ultimate for Buzz. That's what got Buzz over. No one had seen him until they saw him on Georgia Championship. They're just going, who the F is this incredible talent? So, you know, maybe he got a little jaded. Maybe he'd been stretched and ripped off. And, uh, you know, that's... I think he had of, his own personal demons, uh, you know, with the bottle and, and with drugs that also kind of led him... But I did forget if it was on a Vern show uh, where uh, Ray Stevens worked, you know, maybe fourth from the bottom a match with Buzz. And I have the photos of it to prove it. So it's the only time Buzz Sawyer ever got to wrestle Ray Stevens. And for me shooting it, it was kind of a, you know, a big deal. These these matchups you never thought you'd ever see uh, sort of like. um Jack Briscoe defending the NWA world title against Bobo Brazil, you know, total clash of styles, or Jack Briscoe against Ed Carpentier, the flying Frenchman, who was a, you know, a several-time world champion. He's the reason the AWA and the Los Angeles WWA world titles were created. They uh, saw his match with Thez, you know, it was supposed to be two out of three, but Carpentier won the third, first fall. Thez allegedly couldn't continue was the finish. And two promotions, if not Omaha, a total of three were born out of that. So Carpani was main event guy. And uh, it was fun seeing Styles clash matches. Even uh, Ric Flair title versus title against Bachwinkle. That was a fun match in Winnipeg that I got to shoot. And uh, you never dreamed that you would ever see it because you remember Ric Flair jobbing to Bachwinkle in like 73 on TV. But then Ric, you know, once he became NWA champion, uh, you know, so we were blessed in the Bay Area, I should say, to see all of this stuff. Maybe not Buzz Sawyer's school, but uh, him wrestle at uh, close to his peak. And, uh, you know, a lot of great stuff. I mean, uh, Bill Watts in San Jose ran a UWF TV taping. He had taped like two or three shows right in San Jose. And Leah Maivia, really the only place she brought her Polynesian pro from <coughs> Oahu, was to San Jose for X amount of shows that were one show, one show. No, there were several, and they had guys. No, like look it up, look it up. They only did show. one show. They only did one show, and I was there. I went to it. I was at it. So, but I, a lot of people. Well, I, you know who who debuted on that one show? Farmer Boy Ipu. Well, Dwayne, a little guy named Dwayne Johnson. I don't remember him. He 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 didn't wrestle. He was a yeah. Ring. He did. He did. He was part of like a like an eight man tag match where he was like in for like thirty five seconds. Because I'm talking like eighty nine, and he did not wrestle. No, he 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 wrestled. He wrestled on that first. I said so, you gotta go now. Okay. Not not your fault. Maybe you can continue on. No, I'm. You have the up. results. Bring up the results. I'll bring up the results I had because the show that we got at San Jose had uh, Kevin Sullivan. And yes. Sheik. Uh, uh, I can't remember if Brody was on that one or the, the other one. There are a lot of matches on that one show. And and there was a, a large tag match that had uh, had had um, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, as his very first. It, Rocky Johnson was on it, too. And Rocky, and, Rocky was on it, but I, I just don't recall Dwayne. Well, bring up the results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I will. I was asking you to bring up the results of the AWA shows you went to, but also this Polynesian Pro. Because, again, it was 89, and The Rock, uh, Dwayne, didn't even consider pro wrestling. He was still doing – I don't even know if he was already even doing football. But bring it up. We can we can talk about it. Yes. got <laughs> to go. My voice is about shot. No, but, we, got, we we did pretty good. You, 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 you pushed it to the wall, and I appreciate your uh, – your dedication to get getting a show out today. Even well, let's try. And, uh, let's all give Jan Weber, the founder or co-founder of Rolling Stone magazine, some shit for those comments about women and African-American music artists not being masters. I mean, all you have to do is look at the. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a stupid statement. Judy Collins, Joni Mitchell, Janis Joplin. Tina and, Turner. Yeah. Oh, just, Tina Turner was the definition of rock and roll. Yes. Uh, so. Marvin Gaye, so many great Stevie Wonder. Come on, these guys completely changed the game. And oh, yeah. Particularly Stevie introducing synthesizers into jazz. And, and Jimi Hendrix is still regarded as being the guitarist of all time. time. Yeah, so I don't know what the dude was thinking, but he's paying for it. Well, we'll have more uh, crazy stuff from the WWE, I'm sure, and Vince McMahon. You know Let's talk about that next week. I don't know if yes. we have guests, but I want to talk Polynesian Pro. Which was fun, but it was not in the category, the Ed Francis, Russ Francis's dad's wrestling, because this guy, if you have the Sheik against Terry Funk, double juice, Texas death match all over the Honolulu International Center, now renamed Blaisdell, and you have the opening match, Neil Moskris against Mad Dog Vashon, and, and a million pieces of talent, Nick Bockwinkel, Ray Stevens against Pedro Morales, then Tri-WF World Champion, and Boa Brazil. You're talking major stars. You're not talking some, at times, intolerable Polynesian pro wrestling. At times, good, but, uh, you know, not... Well, I, I, I can give my recollections to that one show. We'll talk about it next week, plus probably a lot of other stuff. Who knows who's going to die during the week? We always have some... some I risk. hope no one. I hope no one, because... Uh, I, I, let me say this, too. Both guys were super nice. Bruce Wayan was very nice, rolled out the red carpet had me at a show and I got to photograph during his training with various people. Luna Vachon came in as an instructor and uh, Adnan LKC, Billy White Wolf, super nice guy. I got to pose him with the guy who created the gimmick for him, promoter Ed One and only Cauliflower Alley, both of them went to and posed Sheik Adnan, Sheik Billy White Wolf with uh, ed francis and then some other guys uh, who wrestled uh, i think steve strong got in my shot he was a big star teaming with john tolis in uh, honolulu towards the end of ed francis's promotion but we'll talk about that next week russ all right uh, get better i hope i hope you recover and we'll see you all next week everyone saving my voice till next sunday all right good night everyone good night guys thank you russ thanks everybody